From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Radio Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to have Deacon Bill Gakey with us. Uh, Bill, good to see you. Good morning, Bob. As always, good to have you with us. Uh, <laughs> you are the head of the detention ministry, uh, the coordinator of the detention ministry here in the Diocese of Sacramento. I remember in high school, detention meant you'd, you'd said something you shouldn't have said in the back of the classroom, and you got sent to detention. But it was brief. The detention has a different word in your in your world. Yeah, for the most part. Although my uh, my cubicle here in the diocese is right next to the schools department, so occasionally, okay, occasionally, get, still people <laughs> give me that. <laughs> but uh, uh, yes, a detention minister. Anyone, who, anyone who's uh, detained. Um, incarcerated in some way of course we have both jails and prisons spread around our, our 20 counties that we're concerned here with uh and so there's, there's quite a few incarcerated uh in the thousands uh, it, it's gone up and down especially during right. covid where more have been able sure. to be released but i, I would say over over ten thousand uh are still incarcerated in various places around our diocese do you have any connection with federal prisons at all uh, there are not federal facilities directly on our diocese, right. although there are some federal programs that have people incarcerated, perhaps in some county facilities. So there is some some overlap. Um, uh, there is, I take that back, there, there is one federal prison that uh, is in the, the very northern part, uh, although with, with Susanville, we, uh, right. we tr- we're mostly concerned with High Desert High State Desert, Prison yeah. up there, yeah, yeah. the state. So... First, explain uh, the relationship uh, the detention ministry, the Diocese of Sacramento, has with the state of California, with with the local counties. Uh, We have 20 counties in the diocese. And um, how that that all works, I mean, I couldn't just go to the prison today and say, hey, I want to... I want to help spread the good word of Jesus to these guys. They'd say, well... (laughs) Stand out this outside with a sign. <laughs> yeah. And although, Bob, that probably can. I mean, we probably yeah. have volunteers that started out that way. Probably maybe so. going in yeah. with, a, with a church group just mm-hmm. or various uh, social groups in the community may have started that way. But uh, our bishop, uh, as most bishops around our, our state and country would like us, um, to be able to specifically bring the Catholic message in. So, um, yeah. Part of this is going to make sure that that the sacraments are, are provided, that they're sure. available, and so part of our relationship with those um, jail and and prison administrations is to make sure that we can have the sacraments, uh, preparation for the sacraments. Of course, a lot of the laity are involved with that, um, and actually bringing the sacrament in, uh, whether it's a, a deacon or other qualified, uh, bringing the Eucharist at special times and places, or getting our priests in there to have masses. Um, we rarely have them every week, but uh, within the facilities, usually monthly or seasonally, we can get a priest in there um, to uh, celebrate Mass. Uh, maybe not for the whole facility, you know, they're all divided right. up into pods and sections and things. But uh, as much as we can get our uh, our sacramental life into these into these facilities, and that's the relationship that we need to have with them. We do have paid chaplains in the state prisons. That's been allowed right. for quite a few years, so that, that helps. Um, but the county facilities, uh, it's all volunteers. We have a volunteer leader coordinating our volunteers to go right. in and working with their staff to, to uh, help out inmates. We, we help all the inmates uh, that can use the Catholic message, whether they are sure. Catholic or not. So the... the are you you're 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 sanctioned by the state but you're not um and the state does have employees who are chaplains is this as a result of 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 court rulings at some point i mean there's probably been a time in our country who has you know lock them up and throw away the key and make it as hard as possible and maybe they won't want to go back kind of attitude um um you, you are. I mean, we, we've all accepted chaplaincy in the military because you know here you are sending people off to war or something. Mm-hmm. Um, has it been? A, has it been a challenge to have chaplaincy in, in the prisons? Do you know? Yeah, um, 
probably a little bit of a roller coaster up and down. Uh, yeah. Although um, I believe even in the earliest uh, days of the state of California, uh, early well. San Quentin or before that when it was a prison there was a prison ship somewhere um, there were uh, uh, management uh, administrators that that were uh, were allowing uh, chaplains to come in right. uh, whether it was a local priest or somebody so a lot of that on a volunteer basis it probably wasn't until the 1950s 60s where it became part of a, a paid employment and that worked out in some way uh, made it probably a little bit easier for administrators to right. to have somebody trained that they could rely on coming in sure. every day uh, for that ministry. So the the paid state of state of California employees uh, presumably the counties don't employ any chaplains. The well they they usually have one person that is either designated as a chaplain or or, or a director of religious services that is probably an ordained person uh-huh. um occasionally we've had catholics in those roles either deacons uh i think for the most part or, or laity uh, for the most part right now i believe that all the the county jails if they have someone in that position uh it's a, a protestant uh, minister or somebody with that with that background so fairly friendly to christian principles um, but still somebody that we need to work with and go through to to be able to share our, our programs and, and presumably if we're, if we're dealing with rehabilitation, which mm-hmm. is still a goal, uh, that that this would be part of the process. Uh, you, you, whether whether you're a believer or not, I think you, you have to be a believer that it's it's it makes a better person, uh, a person who maybe won't reoffend. Yes, and I think that becomes obvious to any staff that work with the incarcerated for any given amount of time. Um, my own position when I was full-time chaplain uh, in uh, in Folsom, uh, the CSP SAC, the new Folsom prison, uh, there was uh, a lot of growth uh, in the area of uh, supporting psychological needs, and and those those staff really appreciated the among the mental health community our support uh, those the spiritual leaders that could come in whether it was our volunteers they could come and talk to somebody or our paid uh, chaplaincy staff if we could be available because they they saw that as they were trying to help people that the spiritual side of things was so important sure. for someone to develop right alongside of every other part that right. needed uh, some healing what was required of you to be a state chaplain uh, i mean in terms of your background or your credentials or well, there, there, there's a, a process involved. Uh, the California Catholic Conference will help us uh, certify so that each bishop knows that someone that's being recommended has a background, uh, not only with the faith, but uh, their other employment. Right. I happen to have, have leadership in ministry prior, and then I was in the diaconate program as I was beginning into the, the full-time. Right. Uh, but uh, part of my uh, development along the way was not only lay ministry things, but I, I worked with the state uh, about 20 years in the Conservation Corps, which is a, sure. a development program for youth. And right. so when I first started in chaplaincy um, full-time, I was working at one of the youth authority facilities. So mm-hmm. it kind of was a good match and the same age age group that we were looking at, you know, there, that except instead of teaching them how to uh, cut trails or fight fires, sure. we were <laughs> teaching them how to uh, fight the fires of hell, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so d- d- does the state want... X number of Catholic chaplains and X number of Protestant and Jewish and so forth, or how does that work? It, right now, uh, ha- has a balance that um, I suppose there's there's always going to be lawsuits to get another faith in there. Sure. But for the most part, the state prisons uh, will have a, an opening for a, a Catholic, um, a Protestant, um, so two two Christian chaplains, um, and then also a, a Jewish chaplain. Um, uh, Muslim chaplain, and then uh, usually a Native American, which they call they want to be called the spiritual leader rather mm-hmm. than chaplaincy, um, but they're part of the the same team. So, uh, and that that's it can vary from institution to institution. A warden has the ability to hire probably beyond that, uh, or maybe not fill all those positions depending on on how they're they're running things in their prison. But uh, that's how the state for the last 20, 30, well, probably 40 years or more has tried to keep a balance. Although 
almost any faith uh, you'd imagine has the ability to apply to come in through sure. the community would, would Mormons be considered as part of a Protestant chaplaincy? I, uh, they they can be. We, we've helped to, to support uh, them coming in. Um, I, I don't know right now of a particular uh, chaplain in the state that is Mormon. It's, mm-hmm. it's possible. Um, but, yeah, the, there's uh, a, v- a variety of uh, both uh, just as in the in the Catholic side, it's almost always a that I've met in the in the state of California it was a Roman Catholic, but right. you know the Eastern Catholic rites have have had uh, chaplains come in, things like sure. that. So there's a variety. Right. So, as as coordinator of the detention ministry here for the diocese, uh, talk about talk about your role and uh, your needs. Well, I uh, help support our, our leaders, whether that's a paid chaplain uh, the, which we have uh, priests and and laity that are that are part of that paid chaplains staff in the prisons uh, but then probably the bigger part of my my role is to help our, our lay volunteer leaders uh, for each of the county areas that have a jail with um, you know, significant need for uh, Catholics to be supported um, and so th- those can work through me as they're trying to get clergy because we were always wanting to have priests available you know right. they get very busy these days um, priests deacons and of course uh, good uh, lay leaders from from parishes that are catechists or have other roles in the parish that can lend their talents um, and that's that's a big part of it just trying to keep people uh, available uh, motivated helping them to find out uh, getting the word out as, as you're helping us right. do right now uh, and there's always some turnover of course COVID uh, was a time where we lost a lot of volunteers um, probably in other ministries as well so the older volunteers didn't want to you know venture into places where they might get COVID so uh, we're trying to build up our numbers again um, some of our leaders actually have, have moved on and so you know we're rebuilding some some programs in the areas uh, although we've had people stay enough to help us out but uh, we're still looking for more leaders so oh, you know it's, I, i've heard that from uh, saint vincent de paul from uh, sacramento food bank uh, that, that well sacramento food bank had to actually almost ban their volunteers because so many of them were elderly and uh, during COVID, mm-hmm. and, and and much more vulnerable obviously to serious disease and um that a lot of them are, are just now getting back to normal, I guess, in, in terms of their numbers, but it, it was really a deficit. Yeah, and, and of course, it's really heart-wrenching when someone has to leave ministry. I don't think they, they, yeah, they, they don't, don't go in. That's right. you know, we were just talking about you know, young or old people you know, having to leave a ministry and, uh, or, or someone ministering to them, and, and uh, it's, it can be a significant thing. To, and of course, these incarcerated, they, they feel it uh, right. when they've had somebody ministering to them for a while, and then they know they're not going to see them anymore. Um, but we, we do what we can to, to help build up the, that uh, support. I, I presume there are a few counties, maybe Sierra County, a few lo- that don't have jails? Um, right. A few of them don't have a jail, or they they combine their efforts with, a lo- with another, another local county. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so you, you won't see the name of every county on our, our list. I believe we have 12 leaders officially that, that run ministries, and, of course, the, the bigger ones in the, you know, Sacramento <laughs> metropolitan area. Of course, we have our our main jail, and there's also our triple C, and those are big operations. Those are right. you know overall probably as big as some state prisons, right. um, and so those need a lot of volunteers. And they did lose a volunteer. In fact, we have one one leader that has to. She she's tried to move, <laughs> but she she's uh, she still comes back and helps out uh, because uh, you know we need you know another leader uh, you know to come in and and, and volunteers. Uh, you know, the, the whole ministry needs to regrow in some some senses in some of these areas. So if if I came to you and said I'm 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 interested in detention ministry, I'd like to I'd like to volunteer. Mm-hmm. What what would you say to me? Well, we we talk about what what it is you would you know be wanting to bring to the ministry. You know, some people have very specific skills. Maybe you know if you were a, a deacon, we know you'd be somebody that could right. bring the Eucharist in. Right. Um, uh, lay leaders, maybe they're they're catechists, uh, but maybe there's somebody who's you know a person from the pews who just knows they they can talk to somebody, and, and we have groups that go in 
that could use that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're they're part of our local parish ministries. St. Vincent de Paul does that in some cases, right. getting people that can just help out. Um, there's, I think, last time you and I talked, we talked a bit about the Kairos Prison Ministry. It's right. an ecumenical right. ministry, and they're always looking for volunteers to come in because they run these retreats uh, where a lot of people are encouraged to attend a lot of the incarcerated right. and but then they need the support and then they also besides having a retreat once or twice a year they want uh, prayer times to continue and it's an ecumenical prayer time so they're not going to get into any uh, deep uh, you know liturgical things uh, sure but they're going to go in and, and pray with the guys and, and talk about what's going on so there there's room for almost anybody in these ministries if a person you know is moved by the spirit and feels they can come in and a lot of times they can come in and then you know if, if it doesn't work out maybe they can you know come in a support role you know if they really find out that's not for them um, lots of support behind all these these uh, ministry groups that go into the prisons we're seeing people uh, spend more time in county jails than they used to uh, sort of a change in how they've done this has that affected the detention ministry yeah, in some respects, I, I guess you could look at uh, what I was just talking about in Sacramento, uh, our triple C, because they are more of a longer term facility. Right. Uh, they're probably having to retain people longer mm-hmm. um, than they would normally have done, you know, being able to send people onto a state prison. Right. So those groups and I'm sure there's there's some effect in all the, the county jails if the, whatever was their longest term before is probably being increased. And so that makes a difference for us it used to be maybe jail ministry was just knowing people for a few visits and then you know somebody else um we're now probably going to know them for for a longer period of time and and probably uh see them on quite a few visits and they might be asking about getting the sacraments and things that maybe in one or two visits they might not be asking about beyond you know well i want to get confession but maybe you know they want to get confirmed and so yeah other things come up are there are there strict rules statewide or countywide about how often you can go in? How often somebody like take a Catholic inmate? Um, do they have a right to at least weekly mass or weekly Eucharist or access to confession? Um, how does that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Legally, and, and uh, you know, although I was chaplain for a number of years, I can't tell you all the details on that. But, but uh, I do know they, they do have a right in the state prisons. Um, I, I believe it was an hour minimum of their their faith practice, although most wardens would want to go beyond that so they don't, you know, lose out for, you know, somebody, you know, during having to have a lockdown or something. Right. Um, and, yeah, the specifics of their faith, uh, sometimes we have to, you know, work it out how we're going to have Eucharist provided because if, if somebody's uh, shown that they, they want to receive the Eucharist, uh, whether it's first time or, you know, they've just had confession, maybe, you know, priest went in and hey, had confession and now they really want to receive the Eucharist, we want to be able to get that to them. So we need to make sure that, that we are getting that to them in the best way possible. So is there, is there also a lot of catechesis going on? Definitely. Yeah, whether it's at at an official level where someone is preparing for the sacraments and we have someone going in that's a designated catechist for them, uh, maybe it's the chaplain or a chaplain as an assistant, Um, or if it's in in smaller ways, we we send in the weekly readings every week. Uh, So they're Mm -hmm. they're keeping up with us liturgically. At least we provide these. Uh, We need a lot of volunteers to kind of make sure, follow up, make sure, because some facilities don't have uh, a full-time Catholic chaplain right. to go in and see that, you know, the many pages that we send out that they could offer people, and we, we cover other languages. Of course, we're looking for volunteers all the time to help produce these kind of things. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we definitely um, need to be able to continue to follow up with these people. And, and get back to your question, most volunteers will probably come in anywhere from you know one to three times a month, mm-hmm. uh, maybe more. Uh, it'd be up to the prison administrator if there's too much or too little. I know with the state prisons, um, they call that a brown card that a person would get, and you'd want a person available at least a couple of times a month to go oh. in. They they prefer every week, and and really it's it seems to be best for the incarcerated to have somebody, uh, at least the same group coming in, if not the same faces coming in every week. Um, and 
most facilities, although it changed a bit during COVID, uh, but most facilities can handle that, and and they like it when when a group comes in on a regular basis and it's the same people, get used to the same staff, and you know provide in the same areas of of the facility. So as a, as a as a chaplain, I'm Catholic, but am, am I likely to also be dealing with? Inmates who are not Catholic. I mean, uh, I, okay, today we're going to pray the Rosary, and you know, ten people out yeah. there. Saying, That's not for me. Well, we have to be ready for for anything, yeah, because it, it's it's their right to be able to attend just about any any service, sure. uh, and so we might have guys coming into the Rosary that don't know anything about it. Um, although um, we want people to be respectful, just like we would want to be respectful if we sure. happen to step into a Muslim service or, or anything else. Um, but um, at the same time, we want to be able to provide that catechesis <laughs> yeah, i'm sure people yeah. in the legion of mary can tell you how hard it is to <laughs> teach some people how to say the rosary regularly right. but uh yeah we, we 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 are ready for that uh, we probably have to make that announcement more at our uh inside masses of you know if you're not uh catholic we want you to respect this and you know cross your arms to to receive a blessing instead right. of receiving the host and that sort of thing we just we have to be more aware of that and of course there might be a lot more situations of people having been away from the faith for a long period of time and maybe they remember things from being in grade school but then you know now here it is 20 30 years later you know what are we going to do to help them um it's it's great to have people that are uh from the pews in ministry or or more adept in catechesis people have been helping in rca that sort of thing to just help people get back into their faith or to the faith originally here so how do how does somebody um, maybe they're curious about Catholic. I mean, you, you, are you allowed to convert? Uh, we're not to proselytize. Uh, we can uh, evangelize <laughs> as much as we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could get a little bit tricky because sometimes, sure. you know, we might think that there's, you know, competing ministries in there trying to take our Catholics and put them somewhere else. Sure. But as long as we're open to, um, to sharing our faith, and, and not, you know, pounding somebody over the head with it. Um, you know, there, we've all seen that in other areas as well. And, and in the in, in view of incarcerated, not being able to, you know, get away from that. I'm sure they have some of their own fellow inmates that are trying to proselytize oh, sure. them. Sure. Uh, but we're, we're just doing our best to uh, provide that uh, gentle support for them to have their spiritual life fulfilled. Um, and hopefully, you know, what we share uh, from the Catholic faith is going to help them either remember or or come up with a faith expression that they that they can uh, can really rehabilitate with. Yeah. I guess is what you'd say. So, in the prison population as a whole, it's probably just a guess, but you're you're, you're in there. You know uh, more than the rest of us do. Is it in terms of how many people would regard themselves as Christian or Catholic or this or that? Is it higher, lower, about the same as it would be in the general population? Real similar to the general population, although there's some presumptions that everybody of a certain, you know, like if they're Hispanic, they're going to be Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> there right, used to be right. people would say things like that. Right. Um, I know when I started 20 plus years ago with Youth Authority, um, we actually had records like that because they, they, when someone was committed as a ward of the state, somebody had to write down a faith for them. So sure. I could look up what the what their declared faith was. The adult right. system didn't have that, and I'm not sure if they have that even now. Um, but uh, I found that, uh, gosh, I think uh, of the there were roughly a thousand incarcerated uh, young men where I was at. I, I think it was close uh, between. 350 and 400 were Catholic, were designated mm-hmm. as Catholic. Mm-hmm. Not that many came to our services, right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that keeps up with, you know, what you'd say in the general public, anywhere from 20 to 40%, you know, would say, you know, I was baptized Catholic or, or Catholic expression in some way. So that's, wow. it's, um, it stands to reason that well, 99% of the people that are currently incarcerated are one day going to be walking among us. Mm-hmm. It stands to reason that this is critically important to them not reoffending. 
Right. Uh, just to getting them back into the community, the, the whole um, theme of restorative justice, which you know, if somebody would go on the our Catholic, California Catholics bishop site, you'd see the whole thing from the detention ministry right. part of it all the way to reentry and then helping people on the, when they're on the streets. Right. We're, we're res- restoring something. That's what, what justice really needs to be about. Um, and and these people, if, if they don't have a spirituality, they get back out in the streets just like, you know, we found out years ago if they didn't have a trade or or or, or an education that it wasn't going to do them much good to be released because they were to get through the hard times because uh, yeah they they we might teach them a trade uh, while they're incarcerated we might get them educated but they're still going to have hard times that the spiritual life is going to be the only thing that will get them through. Do you find a difference in that mentality with someone who maybe is a life sentence or a very long sentence anyway? compared to somebody that's maybe a two to five or mm-hmm. two years or, or you know, they're in county prison and county jail and they're going to get out in six months? I think it's a matter of uh, sharing with them what community um, start writing to religious orders and other places. How can I participate, you know, uh-huh. while I'm still inside? Um, and so they they can be some of our most most uh, fervent followers, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say, some of the the lifers that really um, take on their faith expression, whether it's you know the Catholics or you know Islamic or, or Jewish. Um, they they may be in there a long time, but they've actually um, maybe uh, repurposed their life uh, to to help out their community inside from that spiritual perspective and in other, in other ways too. Um, so yeah, it's just a different perspective, but yeah, they're more on the inside and maybe they're an evangelist to their family. You know, we <laughs> often, you know, we can tell when we have programs like get on the bus, oh, yeah. um, somebody coming in and, uh, you know, they're, they're just, they're just helping out in a different way if they're long-term. Yeah. Are, are any people who are incarcerated actually, formally in in the state's mind ministers of some kind i mean not not somebody who was a minister that was convicted but 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 were there actually as part of their duties in the prison ministering uh you know they i believe in the state that most administrative uh areas wouldn't allow them to be the only person in charge of a service they can assist, and we often have them assist in music ministry, things sure. like that. Um, I think that, at least in the mind of the state and, and most government entities, they don't want that to replace what the outside can contribute. Right. We really want the outside to be contributing. Although inside, there are some people that yeah, go a long ways in rehabilitating, and uh, I believe I was hearing recently about uh, an ordained uh uh, within one of the religious orders that happened to have been in prison in this area mm-hmm. and came back uh, to uh, you know one of our liturgies and he, he's ordained you know so that it, it may take years for somebody to to get into that situation right. um, and it probably wouldn't be the truth if they reoffended and went back in right, they probably right. wouldn't be able to re- maintain that that right. status but uh, uh, we want to believe that you know the Holy Spirit can work through any of these situations yeah. So what do you need from our, what would you like our listeners to know? Do you need volunteers? Oh, yes. Uh, Everything that you could imagine that a parish needs. So anybody who's active in their parish and can see the kind of ministries that their parish is involved, all that needs to happen on the inside because it's a closed-in community. It's um, basically (laughs) closed, not only closed in, but it's, Kind of like martial law. I mean, if you think about it, the, it's not like a hospital that people right. can be a visitor and go in on. This is it's very difficult to get in, very difficult to, to bring things in, uh, necessarily so. They, they don't want the public to be uh, adversely affected by, sure. you know, a wrong way to handle that. Uh, but, yeah, so um, uh, whether it's uh, supporting uh, our, our clergy so that they can get in more often, because a lot of them are so busy, you know, I ask yeah. them, hey, you know, can you come in? And it's, oh, well, I'm doing this, this, and this. So so if somebody, you know, can ask their, their priest, hey, how can I help you get in? You know, maybe maybe that person has been in the local facility, maybe they haven't, but however, we can help the priest or the deacon to get in. Um, and then the, to start forming the, the type of teams that are needed, because, you know, even in the best case scenario, a priest or the deacon's not going to be in there every week or every month right. even. Um, and so a team of people that, that 
there are those that can go in and can catechize, can sit with someone in a Bible study, say a rosary, somebody, you know, all, all levels of, of ministry ability. Um, and then people on the outside, too, to support this. Uh, if somebody is supporting their local Knights of Columbus or St. Vincent de Paul, they'll probably see that those groups are doing things uh, to help other groups mm-hmm. get in, even if you're not the person to go inside. I know our Knights of Columbus in, in Folsom just helped uh, two meals to provide for, be provided for the get-on-the-bus. You know, people, families right. coming from across the state to get in. Right. And so the Knights need their volunteer efforts. They need the funding to do this kind of thing. So they just, you know, put that meal out there. St. Vincent de Paul, same way. A lot of them provide for reentry, for clothing and things like mm-hmm. that. So every food closet or clothing closet that St. Vincent de Paul has, and I'm sure other, you know, parallel groups in our parishes, they need help so that they can stretch themselves further to get into these institutions. Because without that, as we saw during COVID, things just kind of shrink down shrink and down, the yeah. ministry shrink. So, yeah, we need to be able to get everybody back out there in, in terms of their, their talent, their their treasure, you know, whatever whatever we have, whatever we can share. Seeing good fruit from good, good on the bus? Yes. I, I, I see it helping to um, probably evangelize our parishes when they know that something like mm-hmm. that is getting on. And then, and then the, the, those local... Uh, parishioners that help in that they get to meet some of these families of the incarcerated who really have their own kind of ministry to their sure. to their person because they can't get back in if they're they got a dirty record themselves they're not going right. to be in so this is these are probably the more upstanding people in the families that are being able to come back in and visit right. and and to to hear their story you know even though it's you know just briefly when we're you know, giving them a breakfast or helping with a meal before they head back across state home uh to their own homes but you know just to hear their stories and, and what they go through with this person their family that you know, went astray so to speak and yeah. and and they're they're trying to help them as much as we want them to be able but um you know they want this person to come back into their family and their sure. community in a, a good and wholesome way just like we we want any of the people that are incarcerated so yeah get on the bus um great ministry kairos and i said that as i said the saint visit de paul helps sponsor ministries uh we were talking about uh, exodus project right. and there's there's parallel ministries and we really need that kind of thing to spread because right now it's generally in this part of the diocese around sacramento and and, and west over to solano county but um there's there's other places you know further north that, that need that kind of ministry and, and there's there's similar things available that they can do a reentry process pa- parishes can adopt a process uh, and there's there's ministry training for them to do that uh, to walk with people that are that are uh, being released so do you know uh, in sentencing is do they take into a in terms of what facility they're going to send you to in terms of state prison do they take into account the distance it is from the relationship you might have with family and the distance it would take because you hear about on get on the bus some of these people really like you say across the state and it's a huge state um i mean you live in eureka and uh, somebody gets sentenced (laughs) in san diego that's eight hundred yeah, miles. Historically, that that was a well. It has been had been a really bad bad problem, and, and we're probably still suffering from that because that wasn't a, a consideration. I think there's probably been more legislation introduced to to change that uh, those those kinds of sentencing laws. I know with the youth, they definitely uh, as youth authority was being dissolved statewide. Right. Uh, that was one of the purposes to get those youth closer Close to home, home to get treatment there. And I think that that's, that idea is starting to spread more because they realize what a value programs like get on the bus have been. And, and actually within the past couple of years, the state corrections has sponsored their own kind of, or not the same as get on the bus, but they'll, they'll provide some bus tickets for people to get across state to, oh, okay. to, to visit their, their loved ones because they realize how, how important that is like i said that's part of the ministry I, if i if i you know was every sunday you know saw guys in service and then they weren't there mm-hmm. but they were visiting you know that's a joy i'm like yeah. <laughs> say wow right. You, right. You, you missed man you know what's right, going right. on he, yeah. he might have just you know seen his seen his, his child that he hasn't seen in in 10 years or so so wow. so we really want to you know support that i mean they get 
you know, dressed for visit the way you'd imagine we would get dressed right. for church. They're, right. They are ironed in their best blues when they're going to go to a visit because they know how important that is, right. that that touch. So, Oh, very good. So if, if someone wants to volunteer or, or hear more about this, what's the best way for them? Contact me. Um, uh, I'm on, on the website. Go on, go on our our. Uh, scd.org yeah, scd and they can they can find me there and uh and they'll the if it's the, my phone i do have a phone at the desk here but i'm not here very often as you guys yeah. know um but that rings through to my my personal cell phone so i can uh i can get a message um you might have to text me a few times but uh just you know let me know what it is that you know how you got interested what you're interested about i'll try and uh, get people in touch with the, the closest local leader for them um we try and have training on a regular basis. Uh, right now we go through ministry days to provide some of our orientation and training, mm -hmm. but there'll be a lot of local orientation and training that a person would need to find out about uh, from their, their closest jail leader or, or prison leader as to what their exact needs are mm -hmm. and whether they need as much help inside or, or support outside you know, through the parish. Um, so, yeah, they, they can get a hold of me or, uh, you know, I believe... Uh, the uh, website may also have the names and possibly the emails of some of our local uh, county jail leaders too. Oh, so good. if they look in the in through the sections of the uh, DAS and Bolton each year, um, we try and keep that up to date. So very good, and it's Deacon Bill yes. Geeky, who is spelled G O E K E. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you might change your name to Smith. <laughs> Make it easier for people to get hold of you. <laughs> uh, people people say Deacon Bill quite a bit, and that, that seems to, <laughs> that to seems help, to help find me. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it's all all facets to this ministry. So very good. Appreciate. Well, it's it's always a joy to see you. Thanks for you're out in the vineyard doing the work. That's for sure. So thanks yeah. so much for that. Okay, I appreciate it, Bob, and hopefully we'll get some of our other leaders in here to give you some of those more localized perspectives as we go on that, the months ahead. That would be wonderful. Great. That would be wonderful. Okay. Well, God bless, and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, Bob. We'll take a, a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in health care, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call. 
916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. Uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour, uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, uh, James, for that wonderful introduction. Appreciate you... uh, uh, giving giving us uh, that, and you've got. I know you have all these these wonderful events coming up, uh, and we will give you more information on that as as they get closer to those. The tenth uh, annual vocations dinner, the benefit dinner, uh, the sponsored by the Northern California chapter of the Knights of Columbus Council six nine two, will be Saturday, June the twenty fourth, from four to eight thirty p.m. Uh, the Northern California chapter of the Knights of Columbus cordially invites you, and I've been to all of these, and they're f- really great inspirational events and uh, actually a lot of fun, too. Uh, it will take place at uh, uh, St. Paul Parish, 8720 Florin Road in Sacramento. Um, and it's just a, a great event, and they, they honor altar servers there as well. well we are just pleased and honored to welcome in Father Tom O'Neill, who is going to be the recipient of the Father Sylvester McDermott Award presented by the St. Thomas More Society here uh, in Sacramento. Father, good day to you. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing fine. It's good to hear your your voice. Uh, You are uh, currently Associate Pastor at uh, St. Ignatius here in uh, Sacramento, and you're the superior of the Sacramento uh, Jesuit community. You have been a uh, Catholic priest now for, what, 47 years? Uh, not quite. Not quite but I've been a Jesuit <coughs> for that long. I've been a priest for about 33. Okay, okay. So. Uh, yes, you, you, uh, very good. A good distinction. Good, good distinction. Good, yeah. very, very good yeah. distinction. Tell us, tell us a little bit uh, about your, your background and, and what led you to the priesthood. Well, I grew up in uh, San Francisco, uh, the youngest of three uh, three boys. Uh, my eldest brother, uh, Bill, is also a Jesuit priest, mm-hmm. and he is uh, uh, currently uh, working for the Jesuit 
a refugee service in uh, in Africa. Wow. And my uh, second brother, Joe, is a physician uh, working back in uh, the National Institutes of Health back in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to uh, uh, Catholic grade school, St. Amedeus, in, in San Francisco, and then St. Ignatius College Prep. Um, went to the University of California, Davis, uh, for two years. You're an Aggie. Uh, well, I didn't graduate from there, but I did spend two very wonderful years there back in 74 to 1976. And uh, so this uh, coming back to Sacramento these past eight years has been felt a little bit like a homecoming. Um, and uh, really loved my, my time at Davis. And then uh, 1976, I, I entered the Jesuits. And uh, my formation in the Jesuits uh, for two years in Santa Barbara, and then I uh, went to Loyola Marymount to finish my uh, undergraduate degree in history. Uh, spent some time at uh, um, Fordham to study philosophy. Uh, then I began teaching in Los Angeles at Loyola High School in Los Angeles. Um, the Jesuits spent three years, two or three years of our formation uh, doing active ministry in the middle of our studies. And I did that in Los Angeles and then uh, did my theology studies back in Boston. Um, been one year in, in Berkeley, and then was ordained in 1990. Uh, one of the nice things is I was ordained with uh, Father Art Weir, who oh, uh, sure. is also a uh, associate pastor at St. Ignatius, so uh, our paths have uh, crossed once again, which has been a real joy and blessing to minister with Art these past eight years. Um, and uh, after ordination, I went back to Loyola High in Los Angeles for 10 years as a priest, um, what else have I done? Then I, I actually went back to New York again uh, to get a master's degree in painting, a master of fine arts, and uh, then to taught at the University of San Francisco for a few years. Um, finished my Jesuit formation, which the Jesuits have, after a number of years of ordination, we do what's called tertianship, which is a, uh, a second uh uh, time that we experience the, the blessing of the uh, spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Mm-hmm. We do it the first time in the bishop, and then the second time kind of bookending our formation uh, in tertianship. And I did that uh, also back in Boston, and then spent uh, a really wonderful experience uh, during that time of uh, working uh, back on the Pine Ridge Reservation with the Lakota Sioux people. And that's in uh, South Dakota? South Dakota, yeah, really one of the most powerful experiences of priesthood I've, I've ever had in my life. A very, wow. very troubling place, uh, very poor, but great, beautiful people. Um, and I've remained in contact with that ministry uh, over the years. I was on the board of that mission for several years, and I, in fact, I was just just back there uh, last month uh, to visit, um, and the Jesuits have been working back there since the 19th century, and mm-hmm. it's just wonderful work. And then uh, I worked, uh, had the role of a superior of the Jesuit community in San Francisco for six years, uh, had a little sabbatical for uh, in uh, Santa Clara, and then had the real blessing of the provincial asking me if I would uh, come up to Sacramento. And I came up to uh, be associate pastor at uh, St. Ignatius, and then uh, after a year was asked to take on the role of superior of the Jesuit community, which has uh, been a tremendous gift. Um, uh, the Jesuits here in Sacramento, of course, uh, have St. Ignatius Parish, uh, Jesuit High School, and uh, uh, Crystal Ray High School. And Crystal Ray, yeah. Wow. A co-sponsor with the Sisters of Mercy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, my, sure. my wife was involved with Crystal Ray in the Sort of early going, help helping yeah. uh, find the jobs that uh, these yeah. kids kids would were, and just we just fell in love with that school and the the whole idea. And of course, it was founded by Jesuits in Chicago, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It just it's, it's I, I remember I, I remember going to their first graduation, um, and saying it was the first graduation that did not involve one of my own kids where I cried. Oh yes. Because it was just so beautiful to see. Usually, uh, in in many cases, the the valedictorian maybe was the first person in her or his family to have graduated from high school. Yes, and and certainly for most of those kids, they're the first ones in their families to go to college. Yeah, just and and uh, and, and the vast vast majority of them were going on to college. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah. That we they just had the, this uh, Saturday week uh, uh, had their graduation, and it was at Saint Ignatius Church, which was just a nice uh, confluence of That's... two Jesuit ministries. Uh, just seeing the uh, all the families, and, yeah. uh, parents and grandparents, and it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful day. That's where it was when when I attended. Uh, I I think it was their first one, which I'm not sure how many years ago that was, but but and. Uh, the uh, founder had come out uh, to to uh, attend, yes. and and uh, gosh, I forget his name. Um, uh, Foley, John Foley. Uh, Foley, yes, yeah. And uh, I was able to interview Father Foley and and ask him how did this come about, and he said he you know he and some fellow Jesuits sat down with a bunch of people in Chicago, business people, uh, you know, labor leaders, uh, uh, all stripes, and. So we didn't have any idea if this would work. <laughs> we thought right. we thought it was worth a try, and by golly, it it is flourished. It's a it's just a, an extraordinary uh, extraordinary experience. I, I love. Uh, I was over there. In fact, uh, yesterday they had their uh, end of the year uh, retreat uh, for their faculty and staff, and uh, uh, just lovely, remarkable men and women who have committed themselves to. Uh, education and it's a great spirit, great place. Yeah, really, really, really is. Pretty good soccer teams too. I gather that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and a beautiful field, a beautiful field that they dedicated about five, six years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember when uh, m- when my wife was was working there that uh, uh, they had a they had a football team for a couple of years. I don't know if they still do. I don't think they do. But they had a football team. But they were still at this the the old facility. Yeah. And and there were no lights. There was just a grassy field to practice on. And the parents would show up at five o'clock and turn the headlights of their cars yeah. on, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the kids could practice. Whatever works, right? Whatever works. It was it was just yeah. such a such a, a a spirit of it. And and then uh, go go to their crab feeds, and the kids would be waiting waiting tables, and just yep. it was just such a just such a joy. Well, Father. You're receiving the Father Sylvester McDermott Award uh, for yeah. Integrity. I can tell you, uh, when this radio show started 24 years ago, Father McDermott was down here in our studio every day to help us, uh, oh, wow. to, to give us advice, to give us some. I remember when he introduced himself to me, he said, well, I'm, the, I'm the theologian for the diocese. And I, I kind of laughed and I said, I thought all priests were theologians. <laughs> and uh, and he was such a, you know, he's a, a native of Northern Ireland, and he was just such a joy and so helpful. And But he was a man of integrity. Yeah. Um, and and I think if you looked integrity up in the dictionary, you'd see Father Sylvester McDermott's picture. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this just it's such a it's such a high honor. They, the, the, it's described as recognizes persons of high integrity who can often go unnoticed in this hustle and bustle world. The first award was given to Bishop Francis Quinn, and of course the uh, the presentation will be Thursday, June twenty second, five thirty to seven thirty at. Crystal Ray High School, eighty four seventy five Jack. Yes, just must be. It's quite an honor. It's a tremendous honor, and I, I'm 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 really humbled by it. Um, and I'm kind of was certainly not expecting uh, expecting this. I've I've been blessed uh, over the, the years to you know several parishioners at Saint Ignatius are members of the Thomas More Society, and uh, you know I've gotten to know them, and they've asked me a couple of times to say mass, uh, uh, you know, for their gatherings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but in, in no way did I expect uh, this, this kind of honor. And I'm just very, very, very moved by it and, uh, and humbled, very humbled by it. So. Yeah, the, the, you know, so you have in your family two Jesuit priests yes. and a physician <laughs> Yeah. Has anybody examined uh, the water at the family home, or <laughs> <laughs> what they gave you for breakfast? Or well, we well we all were, uh, you know, uh, uh, given a lot, and, and mom and dad, both mom and dad, my parents are both deceased, uh, um, but uh, certainly we learned that those uh, for whom much is given, uh, that there's a responsibility to. Uh, 
to thank God for those gifts by sharing them. So we mm-hmm. learned that lesson uh, pretty well. Indeed. Yeah. You know, we... Uh, I'm sort of a, a lifer in Davis. Uh, we must have uh, attended mass together either at St. James or at Newman. Or oh, I remember that Newman Center very, very well. Yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, during those those years, I would have been attending Newman with a a newborn son. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know if I can remember back that far. But, uh, <laughs> I, I can't either. I but I, I know the age of my son, and I can do the yeah. math. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember uh, uh, one time uh, he was kind of running around out in the yard there. You know, that's when I was growing up. That that church where Newman is, the old brick church, was St. James, and yes, and yeah. uh, that's where I was baptized and et cetera. And, oh, wow. uh, okay. Yeah, and uh, but afterwards, uh, uh, my I'm looking for my my son. He was probably two or three years old, and and he was with friends and family. He was fine, but he he comes out of the bushes and he's got a donut in each hand. Well, <laughs> I'm going. A good, yeah, a, a good Catholic. A good he's, Catholic. He's a, he's a good Catholic. So <laughs> they hooked they they uh, they they hooked him early. So it was yeah. it was great. Well, it is. Uh, such a joy to uh to talk with you and uh um and congratulations on, well, on this you. award and and thank you for all your uh all your great work we're you say it was a, such a joy to come up to sacramento well it's a joy for all of us to have you here so well thank you yeah you know i'm i'm in my last uh i'm in the middle of you caught me in the middle of packing because i actually am uh, my job is superior um which uh I've had for seven years now has a, a term, and that term is coming to an end on the Feast of Saint Ignatius, which is July 31st. So oh, wow. uh, there'll be a new uh, superior coming in, um, and I am heading down to Los Angeles for at least a year, uh, kind of a sabbatical, but also um, uh, I'm hoping maybe to do some work with Father Greg Boyle down there. Oh my goodness, um, the Homeboy Ministries. The Homeboy Ministry, yeah, I, I and. and uh, one of the significant gifts that God has given me the last uh, nine years is the gift of sobriety. I've been a member of Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. uh, for about nine years now, and beginning to do uh, uh, recovery retreats. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I've already done uh, three or four of them, and I've got a couple of more lined up. So that's going to be my main uh, ministry uh, in the next uh, looking forward and uh but because of the nature of the, the job it's the, the kind of job where uh, a new boss comes in the old boss doesn't stay around uh right so uh it's it's going to be very difficult for me to leave uh, leave sacramento and uh just really come to love uh, uh you know the parishioners of saint ignatius it's just been such a joy and uh, working with the, uh, I don't have a whole lot to do with the students at either of the high schools. My my teaching days are far behind me, but uh, you know, just with the colleagues on both both schools, uh, the men and women, both the Jesuit and Crystal Ray, just extraordinary people, and uh, it's been a real blessing uh, to uh, to witness their love uh, for the church and for passing on the gifts of our faith to the young people uh, entrusted to our care. But it's certainly been a blessing for us to have to have you in our presence as well. I remember when Father Boyle came up here to, it wasn't a church award. He was inducted into the California Hall of Fame, and yes. I think with along with movie stars and who knows who else, and uh, had a chance to interview him. And oh my, what a, you know, it's just it's. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a remarkably humble man. Yes, for someone that has received the amount of. Uh, adulation and attention and uh you know fame uh he uh, he just is a genuinely humble man and i uh, uh, you know i, I have to tell you really quick i i, I was down in january i, I was on a, a, a priest in recovery retreat down in malibu and uh, spent some time in los angeles after and, and went over to homeboy to just begin to explore possibilities and one of the uh, uh, homeboys that was there took me on a tour, and he showed me a painting that an inmate, I forget in what prison, had uh, 
made of, of Father Greg, and uh, it was a beautiful painting. Um, you know, not large, maybe uh, you know, twelve by sixteen inches or something like that. But he said that the look closely, and he said that the color, the pigment in this painting, uh, for whatever reason, the the inmate could not get any paint. Um, you know, in prison. So for the pigment, for the color, for this painting, he used Skittles. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and it's just a remarkable, um, um, you know, what what uh, human creativity, but also there's just something profoundly beautiful about uh, uh, kind of like God God can create beauty out of, out of brokenness. And, Indeed. Uh, Indeed. And, and that's kind of what, uh, uh, for me, the message of the gospel is. Indeed. Well, Father Tom O'Neill, it's such a joy to talk with you finally, and uh, congratulations, and we'll look Thank forward you. to seeing you on the 22nd of June. Great. Thank you so much for the call, and I appreciate the uh, the chance to chat with you. You, you too. God, God bless. God bless you. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. Right. God bless, Father. That's uh, Father Tom O'Neill, and uh, we'll receive the... Sylvester, Father Sylvester McDermott, McDermott Award. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone.